Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast, where we discuss tea as self-cultivation. All the life lessons, zen, awakening, and insights that come through a life of Cha Dao. This will be the focus of this podcast, developing and cultivating ourselves and our spiritual practice through tea. If you're interested in the more linear aspects of tea, how it's produced or made, you might want to check out our magazine, Global Tea Hut, which also includes those topics. If you're interested in the practical aspects of brewing tea, we have a whole series of videos on YouTube called Brewing Tea. Also, you're welcome to come to our center, Tea Sage Hut, here in Miali, Taiwan, and sit a 10-day course where we incorporate all these aspects from the linear to the brewing tea to the spiritual cultivation all together, and you can take a deep dive and immerse yourself and ground yourself in this beautiful practice. We're so excited to have this forum to discuss all the life lessons that we can cultivate together through tea. Welcome, put on a kettle, get out some bowls, and let's drink some tea together. Welcome to the Life of Tea podcast. I'm Morgan. And I'm Janos. This time, our guest is Catherine Applin from the United States. Catherine is helping us serve a 10-day course and has also lended a hand with the magazine. The September 2018 extended issue of Global Tea Hut was all about organics and sustainability. So we thought it would be a good idea to interview someone on this topic. And uh, Catherine fits the bill perfectly because she has a master's in sustainability management and also works in this field as well. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Uh, so Catherine, it seems to me that sustainability is one of these buzzwords that a lot of people use recently. But um, can we un unpack this word a little bit? Uh, maybe you can explain what sustainability really means. Absolutely. I think that sustainability is a buzzword of the current time, but that it's important to understand where the word comes from and the journey that it's taken to find us here. So it actually took the word sustainability about 40 years to pervade the culture as we know it now. So sustainability was first used in 1972 in a book that was written in Britain called The Blueprint for Survival. It was then used in 1974 in the United States for the first time to justify a no-growth economy. And in 1987, it was used for the first time in the way that we think of it now, at least in academia, and, and something that we refer to as the Brundtland Report. And the definition within the Brundtland Report was sustainable development is a type of development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their own needs. So it's about intentionality and about making sure that what we are doing now doesn't have a negative impact on, on the future to, to have the kind of life that we have today. Mm. But I think that it can go further and, and everyone has their own personal definition as well, at least maybe an elaboration on that. And so for me, in, in my practice and in my life, it, it's about orienting toward a more symbiotic relationship with the world around us. And so how can we exist in a way that is is for the good of everything and everyone rather than kind of being this 
human parasitic force on on the planet that we call home. Mm, beautiful. So right now you're working in a more unique field of sustainability, sustainability pertaining to retail spaces. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, you know, there are a lot of opportunities in sustainability today, and there are many different paths that can be taken. And so rather than work in an NGO or an environmental organization, which, of course, has a lot of incredible positives, I'm a bit in kind of a Trojan horse situation where I'm really trying to infiltrate uh, a business, a real, you know, capitalistic corporation from from the inside. And so it's a really amazing because there are so many opportunities, but they also come with their own obstacles and challenges. And so it's about learning how to speak in different languages and how to bring issues up that that can fit all kinds of boxes and so you know some people are are uh, worried about the planet's health and other people are more worried about uh, animals or social justice or people in general or of course profit and so and so there are ways to bring sustainability into a company really looking very much at at the bottom line at, at the economic argument and so I there's a lot of creativity involved in finding out how can a company be more sustainable, but also use that as an argument to be more profitable, to to have less waste, to to be better at business in general without having to take the environment into account at all. Mm. And to maybe go deeper into that, um, in recent years, the topic of sustainability has gained importance in many areas of business. Because of this, the triple bottom line model has been developed um, can you give a brief overview of this model and if you find it to be useful in today's society? So the triple bottom line tries to shift away from looking only at economic profit and adding in people and the planet as well. And and so I think that's incredibly useful because the design that we have now, the current academic model and that the entire society lives within, actually gives an artificially low cost of doing business mm -hmm. because it doesn't factor in the environment within which the company exists or the people that the company affects. And so we're only looking at one piece of the puzzle where they all affect each other. Uh, and so I think that, that shifting toward a triple bottom line is really important, but we also have a lot of movement for centuries in, <laughs> in an old model, and so it makes it difficult uh, to to kind of shift in, in a short period of time. And mm -hmm. so I think that there's definitely this sea change that's happening, but but it happens slowly, and so it can be frustrating. <laughs> uh, so it's all about kind of being in that in the present moment and, and seeing how things are changing, but also celebrating the small victories and knowing that a lot of tiny things together can can be a tsunami over mm. time, but that, you know, we may not get to change something overnight. So working in retail maybe isn't the most sustainable thing to do up front or in the retail space. But if we can go into those industries that have historically been really unsustainable mm. and try to fix them from the inside, then we're certainly moving in the right direction as a whole. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Can you also explain in layman's terms uh, for us who have never heard of the uh, 
uh, what was it, the triple bottom mm. line model? Um, what does that actually mean? So economics now and in business, we we look at profit. Mm-hmm. How much money have you made versus what are your expenses and what's left over is, is your profit. But that's only one piece of the puzzle. We're only looking at economics. Mm-hmm. And so the triple bottom line says that that isn't an accurate gauge of the profits of a company because if you... I mean, using kind of a really basic example, but if you're a timber company and you're making a lot of money, so your profits are high, but you've cut down all of the trees in your area, then your environment is sick. And in Mm. the future, you won't have a space to go and pull your raw materials from. Mm -hmm. So can we really say that the profit is the only way to gauge your business? Mm. The similar, you know, if you have a toxic chemical plant and it's near you know, a community and all of the people there have gotten sick, or if you have some kind of, you know, toxicity issue with humans living nearby, then your workforce may not be able to to contribute because they're sick. So mm-hmm. then even if your profits are high, the people aspect is hurting. So they all affect each other, but but we only as a society, as a capitalistic world, we only look at one. And so the triple bottom line is saying all of these three things are interconnected and we can't really see the health of a country or a business without looking at all of them holistically. So they're essentially like the three pillars of sustainability. Yes, although sustainability, we actually add in a fourth pillar. Yeah. And so that is the cultural vitality as mm. well. So where you have you know, economic justice, social justice, environmental justice, and then the cultural vitality. Mm. So that is kind of a, a second piece of, of the people, but it goes back to cultural respect and how are the indigenous people of the land that you are operating within, how are they treated, how, what kind of of world do all people exist within, not just the people that are um, maybe, like how are all people treated within your society, not just the people that are on top now. Mm. Mm. So to bring the conversation to tea, um, the magazine um, featured interviews with uh, farmers, for example, and um, I think most of our listeners are not in the farming community and and don't um, don't engage in in producing tea, but uh, all of us are definitely tea lovers and consumers of tea. So how can we as consumers and tea lovers do our part to support more sustainable farming practices? Do you have um, any ideas on that? So as consumers, we are we are quite powerful because we vote with our dollars. Mm. And so as a consumer of anything, the way that we can affect the most change is to buy is to buy the thing that we want there to be more of. Mm. So if we want organic sustainable tea, that's the kind of tea that we should be buying and drinking and sharing and and speaking about. Um, so I think that that's one really important piece. The the economy will follow what the people buy. Mm-hmm. And you see that with all types of things, whether it's food or tea. So I think that that's an important piece. And then I think another important piece, which, um, you know, is something that Wuda talks about, is is drinking less tea, uh, which maybe sounds counterintuitive, but but that means you don't need to drink three or four teas in a day or that you don't need to drink as much tea or that you don't need to drink a few steepings and then throw that tea away. Mm. And so it actually goes back to the 
cycle that everyone knows, but that we all sort of take for granted, which is this reduce, reuse, recycle triangle. Mm-hmm. But really, it's, it's a system that moves constantly. And so reduce, you know, which I just spoke about, means drinking less tea, not drinking it less often, but the amount mm-hmm. or the quanti- the the different variations in a day or different mm-hmm. So instead types. of like geeking out and trying <laughs> like five teas in a setting, we, we could be satisfied just drinking one tea until it's done, right? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, although, you know, we have to be careful about absolutes because for educational purposes, sometimes it's really important to drink several teas together and to compare or mm-hmm. to learn, you know? So it's not to say that that is important, but that has an intention and there's a reason behind it. It's not just well, let's drink five teas today because I have 100 teas Mm -hmm. and five isn't that big of a deal. So I think that, yes, there's that piece, the reduce piece. And then the reuse piece is something that we learn in Chadao anyway, is about being patient with the tea and allowing the the tea to be patient with us and getting all from from her that we can and and so having those sits that go on and then boiling it after (laughs) and, and using all of the essence and really taking that in and then recycling you know at, at the very minimum composting your leaves and uh, you know anywhere up to using it to make soap or to make desserts or to dye clothing or meditation cushions exactly <laughs> to make cushions you know there are it doesn't it should never go into a landfill mm. uh, and there are a lot of other options that that allow the tea to keep living after you know we've we finished drinking it mm-hmm so Catherine, around the hut, we've been chatting a lot about your pretty pretty hectic travel schedule with work. Um, generally, it sounds like you're in New York one week and maybe Texas the next and then New York and Texas and New York, Texas. Um, so with that said, can you share a little bit about how your tea practice supports your incredibly demanding travel schedule? You know, tea is is such an important friend and ally and teacher, and she keeps me so grounded and present. And and during you know hectic days and flying and moving around so often, um, she gives me the opportunity and the permission and the reminder to slow down, to stop, to connect mm. with myself, no matter where I am. So that looks like different things in different places. Uh, and, but that always means, you know, having at least a bowl, three bowls, obviously is the, the preference, but being able to, to take that practice anywhere. And so it's easy to do. It doesn't always mean that I get to sit down and, and, you know, spend such a, a nice time building a chashi and, mm-hmm. and having all the teaware and, and all of that there. But it's very easy to to travel with a bowl mm-hmm. and with a handful of leaves. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, I'd rather have my own kettle. But if I can't, it's pretty simple to get boiling water. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is, is really rewarding. And, and it's also... There's so much lessons in that is that you can have tea and you can sit anywhere. You don't mm. need to, you know, have your favorite pot or have that special bowl. It can, it all becomes special when you make the time. And so um, at home, of course, then I can be a bit more elaborate. Uh, but if I, you know, have flown somewhere and have six hours and, and then have a meeting and then have to go somewhere else, it doesn't mean you can't sit down and, and put some leaves in a bowl and, and connect in that way. Mm, wonderful. Um, 
What are some of your staple sustainability practices on the road? So sustainability for for me is about intentionality and mindfulness, and it, it goes with me everywhere, no matter where I am. And so as as people, we we need to be more mindful because it's just a good practice, but it doesn't necessarily mean that our individual impacts are huge mm. alone, you know, and, and that's not a reason not to not to move in the right direction, but it, it means that things that we do on our own daily life by themselves, isolated, aren't going to be hugely impactful, mm-hmm. but that's not why we should do them. We should do things because they're right, because they feel good. Uh, and so it's it can be really simple things about the eating, you know, healthy organic food, uh, knowing where that food comes from, traveling with um, a water, a reusable water bottle, mm-hmm. not buying fast fashion clothing, mm-hmm. trying to buy used clothing. Um, it can also mean, you know, I'm in the air a lot, and so. There are programs that you can invest in and, and that are actually quite inexpensive, but where you can offset your carbon. And so some airlines allow you to do it, or you can go through and find specific projects that cost a certain amount of money per you know, ton of carbon. Or, mm-hmm. and, and so you can go through and you can look at your yearly flight hours over a year, and you can donate that amount of money to, to something that will counteract Mm. the carbon that you put into the air and so you know we we airplanes are an incredible gift that's how we all got (laughs) here to this place in Taiwan where we're sitting now and so it's not to say don't travel but there are ways to balance Mm. the travel Mm. Uh, and so I think that that's that's really important as well but then yeah just being mindful, knowing what you eat, trying not to buy things in plastic, mm-hmm. you know, being mindful of what you do with the waste that you create. Um, I think all of those are an important part of a practice, no matter where you are, whether you're home or traveling. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, do you know by chance how these programs work that offset the carbon, like for your uh, flight miles, for example? Yeah, so often, so there are lots of different... Um, specific projects that they work on but basically there are opportunities to to buy credits that that offset carbon and so one that i participated in the past had to do with a landfill and so there was a landfill in an area in northeast of the united states and they were trying to close this landfill down and they're trying to um they were trying to neutralize the the landfill Mm -hmm. and so to take into account the amount of carbon that the landfill would produce and to try to have that many credits kind of on the other side and so you could do something like that you can you can invest your money or donate your money you're actually not investing or donating you're purchasing credits Mm -hmm. that are going to counter you know counteract or balance the carbon that you've put out into the world. And Mm -hmm. so there are lots of different things that you can invest in, whether it's a wind farm or a landfill or cleaning up some toxic site. And so basically they, they do all of the kind of formulas and figure things out for you uh, as far as how much, how far your dollar can go depending on the project. And then you can choose what kind of project that you want to buy into. And so that's just a nice, fairly easy way to, to kind of be involved if if you need to be on an airplane or if you need to be to be um, driving a car that that you can try to 
kind of bring back some harmony. Mm -hmm. So there are uh, many things that we as individuals can do on, on the grassroots level, right? And then there's these programs that you just spoke of um, that we can donate money to and that will get put into good use. And then you are actually working with retail businesses on sustainability as well. Can you maybe talk a little bit about what sort of practices the retail business will engage in for sustainability? Sure. There are so many opportunities. And right now, because the way our entire society and capitalistic economy is oriented, there's low-hanging fruit everywhere. Um, and, and so there are a lot of places to, to get started in, in the corporate world. But but larger kind of long-term projects, uh, you know, involve energy generation and where is our energy coming from and can we cover the roof or, yeah, can we cover the roof of our buildings and solar panels? Mm -hmm. Can we use, you know, pervious, um, can we use pervious concrete in our parking lot so that the when mm -hmm. the water falls, it drains and mm -hmm. it can go back into the environment where, you know, it was originally? Can, what do we do with our waste? Should, you know, we should be recycling waste from both the internal kind of back of house space and, and allowing our customers to have an opportunity to recycle on our facilities. Our food, food waste, what are we doing with leftover food? Is it being donated if possible? Is it being composted? Uh, packaging, what kind of packaging are we buying and where does it come from and what kind, is it coming from plastic or from mushrooms? Is it biodegradable? That's a piece. Then, you know, looking back at the holistic, you know, as we talked about the triple bottom line, you know, the communities that we exist within, how are we taking care of them? How are we showing up for for the, the people that, that surround us? And so whether that's being involved in events or or donating to, to special causes within those communities, that's very important. Um, and, and so there are a lot of different spaces where sust sustainability comes in. It's sourcing. It's um, trying to funnel money into areas that can make a difference, regardless of, of kind of where that money maybe was originally intended or, or where it's come from. And so we all have the opportunity to to take the energy that we have, whether it's just physical, you know, emotional, mental energy or the energy in the form of money and try to funnel it towards something that can that can make a difference. Mm. Mm. So sometimes sustainability can feel a bit daunting when we approach it on our own. Um, can you give any recommendations or advice in terms of how uh, we could find opportunities for it to thrive within communities? Hmm. Communities are really, you know, the backbone of of our society, and and we know that and see that so clearly through through the world of tea that we are mm. also lucky to live within and the connections that we've made and and the strength that that comes from these these shared loves and ideas mm. and an ability to to talk and and dream and and <laughs> sit together and so i think that community is so important and so we have the opportunity to focus it toward things that are important to us and important for the world in general and so the the first thing that came to mind to me um 
has to do with with community gardens mm. and being involved in the growing of of the food that we eat mm. and locally as as much as we can and not only because you know eating the food from the place where you live is is so important for our bodies and and what's you know available now uh, depending on the season and on the climate where we are that's one piece of it but the other piece that that goes in so deeply into community is is all about the the relationships that you build mm-hmm. in the act of growing your own food. Mm-hmm. And so we know that, you know, here at the farm, you know, when mm-hmm. we go and when you weed and and you plant and and water and and harvest, that's really important and it's important work because it's connective you know Mm. it connects us to ourselves it connects us to each other it connects us to to the land like like tea does Uh, and and so i i think that being involved in in a community garden or in some form of community co-op that revolves around food can be really rewarding Mm. so beautiful it's as if the community like you're saying, reflects the environment. Mm, absolutely. And the environment reflects mm-hmm. the community. Mm-hmm. You can see that so strongly in places that take care of the environment. The environment takes care mm. of them, you know, and it goes back to what we were talking about before, but about the symbiosis mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we've really come on this planet and and been this parasitic force that we are going to try to dominate Mother Nature and and be above her and and we can see how well that's working out for us so Mm -hmm. it's about being stewards of of the environment that we live within and taking care of of all of the land that we inhabit and then in turn being taken care of by her in a spiritual way but also in a very concrete Mm -hmm. way ecosystem Mm -hmm. services we get clean water we get clean air Mm -hmm. all of that comes from the world around us and if we throw all kinds of things whether they be physical or even you know emotional spiritual things in the world around us that's what we give back we breathe in and out with with the environment and so it it very much is a product of of the kinds of inputs we're putting in is Mm -hmm. what we receive out Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so changing your orientation in other words is is very important and absolutely i I don't think that sitting and change it's a first step and it's an important step it's not going to get us there all the way mm-hmm. uh, you have to change your orientation and then act from that new orientation right we can't just say uh it, it can't just be kind of philosophical and thoughts and words we mm-hmm. then have to to kind of put your money where your mouth is and yeah. and walk the talk but i think that that before you change your orientation how can you act from that space mm-hmm. yeah i feel like the important thing to realize is that the separation between us and environment is uh, mind-made mainly mm. because we're all filled with little holes and the air goes in and out and you know we drink water and it comes out of us and, and so on so we in a very concrete sense are the environment that we inhabit absolutely and if we if we provide toxicity if we unload our toxicity into into the water into the air then we in turn have to drink that water Mm -hmm. and breathe that air Mm -hmm. and so it's really you know it's incredible when you think about it kind of the the human mind and and the stories that we can tell ourselves but the planet will be fine 
no matter what we do to her over over millennia she will come back to the steady state and and she's she's always fluctuating anyway so there is no real steady state she but she can survive whether in an ice age or you know if we go up 10 degrees celsius doesn't matter it's it's the humans that no longer exist mm -hmm. mm. It, it's not the other way around we the planet is much stronger than we are it's us that are quite fragile mm -hmm. we can only exist within you know certain temperatures we can we need water we need clean air right. we need all of these things the planet will be fine mm -hmm. it will take some time to get healthy again but you know, she could wipe us off in the blink of an eye and not think twice about it. <laughs> right. So actually, by taking care of the environment, we take care of ourselves. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. It can be quite selfish, you know, and, and not selfish in the connotation of being negative. You know, mm -hmm. it's about we need this for our own survival. Doing anything different is a bit like kamikaze you know kind of really doesn't make any sense why would we why would we poison the water that we need to drink that's mm -hmm. right yeah. but we do it every day hmm. so earlier you mentioned low-hanging fruit and uh it's it's a funny expression that i actually happen to love um we mentioned one of the things that uh, us tea lovers can do to um, help with sustainability and, and sustainable farming practices is to be satisfied with uh, you know less tea um, in a day and it doesn't necessarily mean you know less bowls or less cups because if you have a good tea that can last for 20 30 steepings then you can drink you know 20 cups of tea in a day and be totally satisfied it just means that you don't have to every day try five different pours right Mm. Um, but what are some of the other uh, low-hanging fruits, uh, in your opinion, that uh, on a, like a grassroots level, uh, every one of us could start doing? It's like personally. Yeah, personally. So I think that um, some of them we've already touched on, and it kind of has to do with in the question Morgan asked about a, a traveling practice, but it's simple things like in trying not to use single you know, single serving plastic, um, meat consumption comes into it. And so without getting into a philosophical discussion on, on animals and whether or not we should eat them, it is quite intensive on our environment to farm animals the way mm. that we do. And so and if you are a meat eater, then to cut back on the, the frequency with which you're eating meat or to eat, um, you know, ruminant animals produce more methane. There, there's a kind of hierarchy of of um, environmental impact with different animals, and so that's kind of a piece. And of course, you know, we talk about in, in the life of tea is is really a vegetarian diet anyway. So that's a huge thing that people can mm -hmm. do uh, is to focus on their diet and and eating wholesome you know, organic ingredients and trying not to eat a bunch of packaged foods. A, it's terrible for you. B, it's terrible for the environment. Mm -hmm. um, it also goes into, you know, transportation. Do you live in a city where you can walk, where you can bike, where you can take, you know, a public train, trying not to drive everywhere that you go? Uh, I think that it's also has to do with community and, and, and talking about things and and bringing people together and eating that wholesome food and carpooling or walking together um and so these are all things that sound really simple but they 
are effective because they change our lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And and sustainability isn't some kind of thing that that you kind of should dip in and out of. It's a way of life. It's a way of life to be to be more conscious of 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 uh, the movements that we take within the world. Mm. Um, and how those movements reverberate throughout. Yeah, absolutely. How they affect mm-hmm. other things. And that kind of brings me back to tea as well of, you know, you can't, the water has an impact. Mm-hmm. The tea wear has an impact. The tea has an impact. Mm-hmm. The heart of the brewer has an, everything <laughs> is interconnected. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, you have to look at all of the pieces. It's a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. It's not just saying, you know, this is, this works sometimes. You know, it, it's not like a piecemeal thing. It's but like then one on, aspect dependent upon the other. Yeah, but then the other side of that also is compassion and gentleness. And if you're away from home and you forgot your water bottle and you're thirsty, you know, I mean, there are some times when in this human world that we operate within, we have to do things that maybe we wouldn't do if we had all the options mm-hmm. and to be gentle with ourselves in that, those moments too and to know that you know we're doing the best that we can and sometimes that means eating a vegetable that's not organic mm-hmm. or sometimes that means you know needing to drive somewhere and it's 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 not such a black and white cut and dry you know good and bad mm-hmm. i'm glad you mentioned uh compassion i think we we all um need that in our lives and uh like Wu says, uh, knowing how to be a good guest does not give us the free pass to judge other guests when we're a host or, or if we're in a tea ceremony with other guests. So I think uh, this comes to play here as well. Like if we are more knowledgeable than other people about sustainability and sustainable practices, and then that doesn't give us a free pass to judge other people. Mm-hmm. I think that righteousness is one hell of a drug (laughs) and um, we have to be very careful with it and so to to know something and to use that as a kind of power that judges or Mm -hmm. condescends is is useless and it's it's more it's actually detrimental it goes into the other to the other side so there we have the opportunity when we know things or when we learn things to share them but to also share them freely um with the with the mind of of sharing with nothing in return we don't always get to decide how someone is going to receive our information or or you know what we know or what we practice and so in my experience, it's always more effective to bring information to the table in a really neutral, loving way. Mm. Because if you attack someone and you tell them what, that what they're doing is wrong, yeah. then the conversation is over mm-hmm. and their ears shut and they constrict and they tense and they're angry because it's mm-hmm. a judgment thing. All their thing. defenses go up. Absolutely. And so that's not effective. Um, but it also goes to finding out your audience and understanding what's important to them. And so if they're really passionate about polar bears then there's a way you can you know obviously you could talk about melting ice and Mm -hmm. and sustainability in that way if they're really into healthy food then you can find a a way to bring in sustainability in the conversation and and then going back to kind of this economic triple bottom line if they're about saving money there are amazing sustainability measures for saving money Mm -hmm. you know so so everybody has a way that they can be lit up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
about sustainability. And, and as a sustainability professional, it's my job to figure out which one of those ways lights you up and mm -hmm. to find out how to talk to that piece in you mm -hmm. and to not come from a moral high ground of why you should be doing this. And it's the same with tea. Mm -hmm. mm. Mug tea is really important. You know, to sit with someone in the kitchen with a tea bag to connect in that way is important if that's the way the person wants mm -hmm. to connect with you. Mm -hmm. And and sitting for a formal ceremony is not better or worse than that. It's just different. Mm -hmm. And so we we have to respect that we all come from a different place, that we all have a different set of experiences, and that we're all doing the best we can with the minds we have in that moment. So it's to be compassionate to each other and also to ourselves, especially our past <laughs> selves that may not have known the things that we know now. And our future selves will have to be compassionate with mm -hmm. the selves that are sitting here. Mm -hmm. And another thing I feel we can all do is orientate towards light as opposed to orientate towards like what's negative in the world. Um, I think it's far easier and it, it uh, you, you'll have a far bigger impact if you choose to orientate towards the positive and be a person of faith and and try to uh, manifest what's good in the world and, and speak about good things rather than going around and, and, you know, talking about, even though that's important to also highlight the negative um, in certain situations, but if if that's all you do, then you will encounter a lot of resistance from people, and uh, the defenses go up. And uh, the more you fight for your cause, the more people who are opposed to that cause will dig in into their trenches and and oppose yourself. So, I think um, a better way to uh, bring about change is to orientate towards positivity and light and optimism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think that that goes back to, you know, celebrating tiny victories. And it's mm -hmm. all about our perspective and about seeing things, uh, you know, in reality, but but also trying to to see how things can be moving forward and to see the positivity in what's in front of us. And so in, someone changing from using plastic bag, getting a plastic bag every time they go to the grocery store to bringing their own bag or, you know, using a paper bag and recycling it with when the next time that they need to throw out their paper recycling is, is a tiny victory, mm -hmm. you know, and or having someone uh, change little things, little things over time build to be big things and they build to be a lifestyle we were talking about. And so I think that, that your orientation, you know, as Wu has been <laughs> saying in the discourses, the, or, the problems that we have are our orientation to those problems and that we have the ability in every moment to choose how we react to something and how we orient to something. Mm -hmm. And so we can choose to see the world as a doom gloom. We're all screwed. Why does it even matter? Or we can see opportunity. Uh, and, and I think that, you know, to be honest, as a human with lots of feelings and thoughts that it is easy to oscillate between those two, you know, mm -hmm. and then and, in and, and school and, you know, we're so deep in it and mm -hmm. you're learning so much and all of the impacts, it can be really hard to kind of see the, the silver lining or the horizon or in the work environment as well. When you get pushed back every day, you know, that can be really difficult, but it still is about our orientation and seeing, you know, even the tiniest sliver mm -hmm. of of a possibility can can grow into something huge. And so, and yeah, focusing on focusing on what we can do, what we can control, and spending less time getting into a mental rabbit hole 
mm-hmm. about what we can't actually affect on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And lastly, Catherine, um, for those out there that are looking to dive deeper into a life of sustainability, uh, do you have any recommendations for resources for people wanting to move more in that direction other than Global Tea Hut, of course? I would first say, you know, I guess it goes for the same if you want to learn about anything, but um, there are so many resources out there in, in terms of books and articles. And, and so I would kind of start there. There's That's all easy to kind of find through searching or through the internet, but there are so many um, volumes that have been written that can help people to understand where we are in a, in a larger kind of picture if that's what's interesting as far as the entire planet so and kind of in that vein there's you know you could read the sustainability development goals from the united nations and and see where we as a planet are Mm -hmm. and what we've committed to changing and and to improving in the future and and you could choose some of those goals to get involved with whether it's a social justice issue or an environmental justice issue and then you can find organizations that that are focused on those so that would be one piece another piece is is what we spoke about earlier but getting involved in a carbon offsetting program and so there are many out there the one i've used personally is called terrapass and so, you know, carbon offsets, they, they allow you to, to be involved in a project that is verified by a third party mm-hmm. and can be anything from planting trees to building a wind farm. Uh, and, and so it's, you know, every little thing counts. And so you can calculate your own carbon footprint and see what your impact is and, and, and do your best to offset that or at least offset a portion of it. And... Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what avenue you want to go into. There are resources for investing green. There are resources for becoming, you know, lower waste. Um, so I think it really is kind of a choose-your-own-adventure. Mm-hmm. And um, there, the, there's a lot of uncharted territory out there. And so there are many, many, many opportunities for us to, to um, be more empowered in the way that we make decisions and to make them in a way that is good for us and for the people and environment around us. Mm. Mm, Wonderful. And one last thing I want to share is some really exciting news here in Taiwan. Um, Beginning in 2020, Taiwan uh, will ban all single-use plastic, Mm. uh, more specifically plastic bags, drinking straws, things like this. So Mm. good for us here at the hut. So exciting. Nice. Mm. Okay, thank you so much uh, for chatting with us, Catherine. And thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this podcast. Uh, I hope you join us next time when we will have another interesting discussion with Buddha. Until then, put on a kettle, take out a bowl, put some leaves in it, and drink a beautiful bowl of tea. Mm, Thank you. Thank you. If you have enjoyed this episode, then please help us reach more people by sharing this podcast with your friends and family. Your comments, likes, and shares will go a long way and are deeply appreciated. Another way to support this project and our free tea center here in Miali, Taiwan that you can come visit is to sign up for our ad-free magazine that we publish every month. It covers all aspects of tea from processing and brewing techniques, history, lore, spirituality, and community. It also comes with a tin of beautiful, sustainably produced tea. To subscribe, go to globalteahut.org.
If you would like more information on linear topics such as brewing techniques, feel free to check out our YouTube channel, also called Global Tea Hut.